1: There was no dream, only nullity of time and space, yet there was some kind of experience, if only the rawest and least imprinted type. It was an almost ephemeral means by which I could deduce the passage of events, the inexorable movement of cause and effect, dragging my body from the burning house of my youth, where my first family smiled through fire, long dead, but forever vital. My body had been reduced to a smoking ruin, and yet it lived, as was my attacker's intent, I believe. Another fire, well-fed and ever-fattening, was bellowing in my wrecked guts, waiting to burn the world for what had been done to my family, both of them. Still, there would come a time for burning, but it was not now. Now was the time for waiting, reveling. Wondering. In this minimally vital state of mind that clung to the dimmest of lights, there was a presence, coiled and lethal, previously unknown to me. I held out my mind to it as an offering. Nothing. Only the coldest sleep, taking in the ages with nary an upward glance, touched my damaged awareness. It dressed in the scales of a monstrous snake, each one smooth as polished glass, shaped for the purpose of killing. Then there came the slightest intimation of identity. The thing was old and sharp, like a knife left to rust in a hidden place, ever dreaming of tender, ripe flesh for the cutting. There was a size to the thing, too. It unfurled to the very borders of my mind, and likely beyond them, It was a leviathan asleep on the floor of my mind, waiting. With the curiosity of a child, I made to poke the thing. I wanted to see it move. Before I could rouse the sleeping giant, the world broke in on me and my eyes were made to open. I was immobile,
0: cold, and confronted by a lean shadow. And so your wakings. Hello, big guy. Welcome to your last stop on the journey of life. Now, I know you're a bit of a snob when it comes to aesthetics, you being an artist and all, but we, uh, we're functionalists ourselves, so I got to apologize for the rather plain accommodations. Function over form and all that you understand. It was the voice
1: of the thin man, filled with a familiar confidence, A confidence that I was growing rather accustomed at dispelling. Before I responded, I took a moment to absorb my surroundings, which I must confess were initially rather spectacular. From all appearances I was in some kind of monstrous ancient castle, and yet when I looked more closely, my accommodations were revealed to be nothing more than a replica, horribly overdone with thick and clumsy flourishes from the medieval and gothic making the place appear more caricature than castle. I could see my captor growing impatient with my silence, and so I spoke. I understand some dead men have disrespected me and mine, and now they believe they somehow have the upper hand. So please, go on, regale me with the tales of dead men.
0: You're a mouthy cuss, ain't you?
1: replied the thin man.
0: Well, you're draped in about 200 pounds of steel chain, and that wonderful thing that happens when killers like you and I get together, you know, that power that lets us kill and move like we never could have imagined, that seems to have faded between us. So I don't think you're going anywhere.
1: That's your mistake, I said. Whenever has a fact flouted a dream, let alone a nightmare. But I'll leave you to your folly, for now. The
0: thin man was joined by a second, identical gaunt man. I think we're gonna be just fine. we fried bigger fish than you, big man. Said the newest man from
1: behind a smug smile. I shifted my gaze to the newcomer.
0: Wrong on both counts, I'm afraid. You don't seem at all curious as to why you're still alive, said the first. Doesn't that strike you as a least bit odd? He was growing visibly annoyed by my indifference,
1: but, by the conclusion of our time together, he would be begging for my indifference. I made no outward show of my anger, but I was in immense pain from the rage that ate away at my innards. I could still hear the weeping of my sisters, even now they were alone, without their brother. Buried in the smoking ashes of my past, in my father's rage and indignation, I could feel it, scorching and dreadful.
0: You see, my brother's been studying all this uh, supernatural hoodoo, and the way he figures it, if we keep you here, like bait you might say, we can pick off all the killers that come for you, one by one. You probably also noticed that we took out quite a bit of insurance in the form of some hired men. They're the best money could buy. So whoever comes looking for us has got to have a small army to fuck with. We've already nixed about seven names from our list so far. Unfortunately, the last fish swallowed our bait, so we had to find another worm. That would be you, in case you're not following with the analogy. Not a bad play, huh, big man? He was eager for
1: me to feel desperate, but all I felt was the weakness of the chains I'd been wrapped in and the loss of my family. A third identical man
0: joined the previous two. I see you've been speaking with my brothers. Please don't let their crudity give you any confidence in the prospect of surviving us. you until the wheels fall off, I'm afraid. Clearly the
1: leader. He just stood there, waiting for me to marvel at the fact that he was one of an identical triplet. These three were in the habit of surrounding themselves with admiration, so I gave them none. Not that I truly had any to give.
0: The third continued, You don't recognize us, do you? P the glory of being free men sharing two singular identities is obviously lost on you. Or perhaps you've been lost to the wild too long to recognise the fantastic David Shadows, the greatest illusionist this side of the Great Darkness. Still nothing, eh? Well, maybe you might know us by our second name The Prince of Smoke. The killer who vanishes with the night, leaving no trace of himself behind, who has been likened to a monstrous combination of Odini and Jack the Ripper?
1: I squinted,
0: yes, the
1: last one perhaps, I may have heard of you once or twice. But even Jack the Ripper, or Houdini for that matter, is no Jack Lantern or Dooley Hines, or even, dare I say, the infamous Family Man. The trio's weakness was quite obvious, so I decided to toy with it. The third
0: sneered. You think you're a match for us, huh? Why then, pray tell, have you fallen a victim to us? Clearly you've been oversold by the press. I shook my head, smiling. I
1: didn't say you were my match. I implied you were my inferior. It would seem that in this case, three minds are not better than one. The three men barely contained their rage. I had high hopes for how that anger might serve me. The
0: third clapped his hands, ushering in several mercenaries. Well, I suppose at the end of the day it makes little difference what a dead man thinks. Fortunately for me and my uh, frightened need to see you suffer, you needn't be entirely whole for my plan to work. You going to wish you were nicer to us, big man.
1: Within moments I was hoisted from the stone floor by burly hired hands and placed cruciform upon the stone wall. My captors were careful to see that more chains were added to better secure my outstretched arms once they realized that I had already, quite unconsciously, deformed the previous chain links with only the most casual of movements. My strength was in no need of the killing dream to be formidable. All manner of petty torture followed whippings, the plying of many red-hot objects to my body, the pouring of scalding hot liquids over my skin, and on and on. All of it was quite painful, but none of it was sufficient to warrant even the slightest reaction from me, save perhaps the occasional glare. However, my eyes were only reflecting the pain I felt from internal fires, rather than those paltry flames that had been laid upon my flesh. Of course, my reluctance to yield so much as a whimper gave no satisfaction to the triplets. This in turn only inspired them to concoct more elaborate but equally fruitless attempts to elicit screams from me. My torture lasted for weeks, and as was predicted by my captors, many wolves came for me as well and for the triplets. All of them each in their grisly turns, fell to the small army of hired killers assembled by the triplets. While I continued to burn from within, the efforts of the miserable trio finally began to take a toll, as my body became less and less a discernible thing. I had become a confusion of sores, blood, and exposed muscle and bone. I would scarcely be able to fight, even if I did manage to break through my bonds which, out of paranoia and fear, the triplets had considerably augmented. My heart had never been host to fear, yet it did begin to wonder if I had finally reached the end of my dream. I could think only of my poor sisters, alone in the darkness, their glittering smiles faded. I took my silence wherever I could find it. In between my captors' words, even between their breaths. Between the brief spaces separating my thoughts, where reposed tiny sparks of quiet. Between the very din of shadows, as they glided close upon the heels of their casters. It was all that kept me together. The torments affected by my captors were growing less fanciful and more forceful. A typical and predictable escalation once the imagination fades. There wasn't much imagination between the triplets, perhaps less than what one might hope to find blowing about within the most average of heads. No, the engine that powered this Prince of Smoke was little more than the combined powers of greed and glory, two vices that were as correlated as flesh and bone. Of course, as the dead world loves its petty ironies, their vainglory would most certainly be their unseating. I would see to it, loath though I am to do the dead world's work. As I was being used as a lure for those killers who had drawn my name, there were always several of the hired guns milling about the room where I had been showcased. The triplets must have been wealthy indeed. Given all the noise they made... I was left without a proper healing silence, so I made do with scraps. Unfortunately, whatever progress a night's efforts of sipping at silence gave me was immediately stripped away the following day, as Lash and Hammer and Knife saw to the lessening, and then some, of my night's recovery. On what night, I cannot say. There came a silence that stoked the coldest fire within me. I could no longer hear the lament of my poor sisters. Had they thought their brother dead, or worse, did they believe I had abandoned them? I would be free that very night, I swore it. As had become routine for the closing of the evening, the thin men came to me, boasting of their most recent success at cheating the shepherd's game, as they called it. personally. I saw their technique as one of many that could be used to win the game. I couldn't fathom how one cheats at a cosmic game of mass murder.
0: "'After that last fish, I'd say our worm isn't long for the world, eh?'
1: spoke the leader of the three. He
0: was referencing the
1: wolf that had come for me the night prior. A killer known as the Baker's Man had killed the first round of hired hands and managed to spend a minute or so trying to cut me from my chains.' limb from limb so as to prepare some meat for the heat as he said however the killer's desire to whisper said phrase into my ear had put him in range of my teeth i don't believe even a master chef could have prepared that man's flesh to taste any less rancid he was largely a yellow supper of flab soaked in sweat clearly far too indulgent of his appetite Perhaps he was a better cook than he was a meal. It would certainly be difficult to imagine otherwise, but I hadn't been allowed to eat since I'd arrived, and beggars undoubtedly cannot be choosers. By the time the second round of guards had arrived, I had already dealt with my appetite. Normally I would not stoop to cannibalism. But my sisters were at stake. I would need every bit of energy I could amass, however I could get it. The
0: third thin
1: man continued.
0: Tonight might be even messy, I think. This next had dreamed some serious weirdness at us last night, and I'm pretty sure he's making a beeline straight for us. But who knows? Maybe he'll last another night. I mean, I did after all double to God. There might still yet be something left of you wriggling on a hook come morning, but I seriously doubt it."
1: The leader took a long look at me, perhaps expecting me to speak. I did not. He slapped me on the shoulder and said,
0: "'Good luck, though, big man.
1: I really mean that I do.' I was about to let them take their leave of me, but if a killer of unusually high caliber was coming for them and had even the slightest chance of prevailing, I would have my final words with them. I sincerely hope you and your brothers survive this next killer, for I intend to hurt all of you quite badly before I kill you, for what you did to my family. But whoever or whatever comes tonight, even if they prove to be the devil himself, if they should happen to kill you in the most horrible of ways. You should thank them on your way out of this world for saving you from my vengeance.
0: The third's face grew dark. Well, uh, thanks for that then. I'll have to make sure the boys work you especially hard tonight. That way, even if you do somehow escape, you'll be in no shape to avenge yourself, or anyone else for that matter.
1: Despite the bravado, I knew my words had done their job. I could see fear in the triplets which might prove a valuable ally later on. My muscles were already proving stronger than the chains that coiled around me, but I had remitted my efforts at the approach of the Thin Men, disallowing the straining iron of voice. Soon, I would be free. Seven mercenaries entered the airy room into which I had been painfully reposed. They drew up to me with their hammers and blades, their fire and laughter. I took the pain they inflicted and smiled until I had no more teeth with which to do so. A wise precaution on their part, given what I had done with those teeth the night before. I timed my efforts against my bonds with the laughter of my tormentors. Suddenly. I smelled a terrible sweetness in the air. It rose upon a plume of screams that blossomed into the contrived castle. The seven men turned to face the threat. The other killer had arrived, and I determined to send back my own greeting of screams. My arms, filled with the coldest fire I'd ever cultivated, moved beyond their bonds. At that very moment, my chains exploded, a noise like thick ice shattering beneath the fury of a sledgehammer. I was free. The seven men came at me, seeking the death I gave them. I crushed the screams from their throats, creating a song far sweeter than the fragrance of the newest wolf. I supped upon the silence of the dead men and I could feel my wounds knitting and the shattered studs of my teeth pushing up from my ruined gums. I could hear the fiery munitions of the small army of killing men discharging wildly, desperately. Sounds I had coaxed from the very same group only a short time ago. I kicked the tall medieval doors from my path and looked into the growing conflagration unfurling before me. There were only vague shapes, pent in so much smoke and fire, fleeing and fighting, but mostly just dying. The Thing rapidly shrinking the mercenary army appeared to be a monstrous undead child dressed in vintage garb and holding a giant lollipop. The sweetness I'd smell earlier, no doubt. I believe the urban legends refer to the Thing as Junior, an elemental of murdered children, Regardless of the high pedigree of the interloper and my innate desire to seek it out, I would have the triplets as my first contest of the evening. I descended the cracked stone stairs, revealing myself to the fleeing mercenaries, allowing them to see that certain death now surrounded them. I was very curious to see who they would find more frightening. Myself, or Junior. I felt quite insulted when the dying masses risked my fury by flooding past me, seeking the exit of my back. I resolved to meet the undead child whether he was on my list or not. Yet I spied the Prince of Smoke, one version of him at least, wrapped in thick darkness, standing high above the slaughter, grinning. He looked down from the ramparts of his fake castle, scoffing at both me and the murder elemental. Junior made for the thin man, and I stepped in front of the creature, signaling that, on this day, we were going off list. The thin men were all mine. Junior's dead eyes fell upon me, and I could sense he mistook me for easy prey. Quite a mistake, indeed.